This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome, <laughs> day two. I'm so excited to be here today with my good friends from Pacific Content. We're going to talk about what it looks like to add video to your audio-only podcast. So let's just go ahead and start off with some introductions, and we'll dig in from there. Awesome. Um, I'm Annalisa, and I am the Senior Manager of Business Development at Pacific Content. My name is Karen Burgess. I'm an executive. Whoop. You'd think I would know how to use the microphone. Mic check. <laughs> I'm Karen Burgess. Oh, that one works. Uh, I'm an executive producer at Pacific Content, uh, so I make shows and help to build the teams within Pacific Content that make shows. Yeah. And my name's Sean Cole. I'm the head of audio production, probably soon to be video production too, <laughs> at Pacific Content. So I run the sound design team and handle the technical things. Outstanding. So, as we know, Pacific Content works with some amazing brands like Audible, Charles Schwab, Shopify, Ford. Um, and so I think we want to get right into it. How are you guys thinking about starting to incorporate video into your audio-only stories? I can start since I have the microphone. That works. <laughs> that makes sense. And, and, and since we start with Annalisa, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you guys work with brands and then dig into the video piece. Sure. So we are a um, podcast agency, essentially. We work with brands. We help them figure out their podcast strategy. Typically, that looks like producing um, a pot, an original podcast for them. Um, but sometimes that's also any other podcast-related strategy things. Um, and in terms of uh, how we're thinking about video, or I guess why we're thinking about video, um, I think you know several years ago, uh, when brands would come to us, there was a lot of education around what a podcast is that we would have to do. That was sort of like the first step. And now I think we're moving into a, a place where uh, we're not seeing that as much. I think the clients that are coming to us, they typically know what a podcast is. But now what we're finding is that a lot of them, I think their first introduction to podcasts is on YouTube. And so, you know, automatically they're asking, like, how, how do we think about YouTube? What is our YouTube strategy? What are we going to do with YouTube? And so, uh, you know, we have to figure out <laughs> what the strategy is to respond to those needs that our clients have. And I think editorially, the biggest questions for us, knowing that that's where the audience is, that's where they want to consume content, uh, is how do we then make sure that we've got a video product that matches the values of the audio first show that we are making? You don't want to be precious about it and say like, my audio product is tiny and perfect and wonderful exactly as it is, but you do want to make sure that you can maintain the quality of the audio while also sort of amplifying all of the values of that show with a video product as well. So how do I do that in a way that's going to be additive to the show uh, without taking up resources that will take away from other shows or, or products that we might be uh, putting together, projects that we're doing. Um, so you want it to be uh, something that the audience is going to get something extra from, 
and that it's not going to take too much away from uh, from the experience. And certainly, I know Sean uh, will want to make sure that we're not in any way jeopardizing uh, the recordings and the, the quality of the sound in order to have video that might go along with uh, with a product as well. Yeah, it's a little stressful when I we we've prided ourselves on uh, having high-value production. We do some pretty immersive storytelling, uh, pretty dramatic storytelling, lots of sound design, and uh, it feels like uh, it's a pretty big challenge to figure out how to do justice to that amazing audio content that I'm so proud of with video, which we don't have uh, huge assets on. And when it comes down to the amount of editing that we end up doing, narrative storytelling, scripting. Uh, I feel like hostage videos of one person on a screen is probably not the best way to represent that, so we're trying to figure that out. Great. So we, we talked a little bit about some of the experiments that Pacific Content has been running, been working with Ford and Teamistry. Could you talk a little bit about what those experiments have looked like, some of the considerations that have had to be made, both from an editorial and technical point of view. Uh, for for some of the the projects that we've worked on, our clients have you know have amazing YouTube presence already, uh, and so they have done different versions of what video. Uh, for an audio first project could look like and so you see something like uh, Ford for example We did a show with them called bring back Bronco, which is also a tongue twister. Don't try to say that three times fast uh, but um, Because they have about two million uh, Followers on their YouTube channel. Uh, it was an easy, you know idea for them to say we're gonna put up just a static card they didn't have to outlay too many resources to get it on their channel, but they got upwards of 55,000 uh, views or consumptions on YouTube, along with the people who were listening to this serialized story of the, the Bronco drama um, on tr traditional sort of podcasting audio-first platforms. So when you think about... Um, the way you can reach people and the number of new people that you can reach on a platform like that, especially if it is something that's an easy lift, like just doing a static card of the show artwork, it seems like a no-brainer because you're meeting the audience where they are. And I think um, that's going to be the most important thing for us is to think about the audience first and how do we make that a great experience. Uh, other clients of ours, a Charles Schwab, I don't know if our Schwab friends are in, ah, there we are. <laughs> um, we uh, make a show with them called Choiceology. And uh, knowing what they know about, you know, how, how people are finding Charles Schwab, um, they've done a couple of different experiments with podcasts. Uh, one is doing bespoke animations for just the first minute or so, or so of the show, Choiceology. Is that like getting the hook? I've talked too much. I just didn't <laughs> talk to time. Um, so they're, they're hooking people in with, uh, with these bespoke sort of episode-specific animations for the first minute or so of Choiceology so that it's really good as an experience on, you, on YouTube and then doing sort of a light animation audiogram for the rest of the episode so you don't have to... <laughs> this is Musical Microphones, everyone, brought to you by Descript. <laughs> I'm starting to take it personally. Um, the other thing that they've done is, ch is chapterize some of their, their content. So, you know, they know that people are coming 
to you know to the content looking for specific things uh, about financial services and by chapterizing it you make it really easy for people to kind of consume get right to that part of the podcast on YouTube hear the thing that they're listening to and hopefully engage with the rest of the content and so those are a couple of the experiments that some of our uh, that some of our podcast clients have been doing um, we're also really excited to uh, uh, I'll tell you here first. There's going to be another season of a show called Teamistry that we make with uh, Atlassian. And uh, this season we're doing um, on-location recording for a sort of serialized history of supersonic flight, starting with Concorde and then moving onward to what's happening now. Uh, so we're going to be in France and in England and in all kinds of places where this technology is now being advanced. And we're taking lots of visuals as we're there not in a way that's going to compromise the audio, don't worry. Um, but we're thinking about ways that we can, because we were able to be on location for some of these recordings and interviews, how can we then uh, integrate that video uh, into, our, into our podcast while still keeping the kind of immersive audio experience that we always have with Teamistry thus far in the first three seasons. And without sending an entire video crew, because that balloons everything pretty dramatically. So it's a balancing act, I think. And actually, to kick it back to you, Sean, so kind of digging into that a little bit more from an audio engineering perspective, what are some of the shifts you've had to make or different te sort of technical considerations as you've started to incorporate video more and more into your work? Yeah, it's, I'm still figuring it out. It's, it's tricky because uh, when the you know when the pandemic hit, we moved everything to remote, which meant we couldn't we weren't sending journalists to people's houses to record the double enders. We weren't um, to record the guest side of the interview. Uh, we weren't sending our hosts to recording studios anymore. So we took a lot of time to teach people how to make blanket forts, how to uh, record themselves at home, how to get into closets. Um, you know, how to unplug the refrigerator, that kind of thing. Uh, and we send USB mics out to everyone. And thus far, it has been focusing on making sure we do whatever we can to get the best audio from them. And just to say, oh, and now we'll just record the video. Well, I don't know that the video of someone hiding in a blanket fort closet is really going to work. So uh, on the technical side, you know, I, I don't know how it how much we would use just the straight up frame of someone on Riverside or whatever being recorded, but we're gonna have to consider lighting now and maybe compromising things like mic position. I hope not, but we might have to compromise a little bit to make it so that we can see the guest's entire face because people like to see faces. Um, so we're still figuring it out and, and I'm interested to, see what options might be out there in terms of um, uh, animations, or I don't know if still images are gonna cover it, but if, if we can type in some words into a robot and get them to do artwork for us, maybe we can do that with animations too, I don't know. Awesome, and Annalisa, from sort of a distribution point of view, I can hand this to over to you, uh, how are you thinking about video in general, thinking about sort of how you're landing on YouTube with some content, distribution. Can you talk a little bit about discoverability as well? 
Yeah, well, on that point of discoverability, I think that YouTube, I mean, that's the big, uh, you know, incentive to put things on YouTube, I, I think, in my opinion. Um, just the search engine is so powerful and so great for discoverability, and that's something that I think we probably all in this room know is a struggle with podcasts. Um, I also was going to say that I think, uh, you know, we work exclusively with brands, um, and so I think that, you know, YouTube is kind of a no-brainer for our clients. I think there's been some resistance to YouTube in the podcast world because uh, if you monetize with advertising, it gets a little messy. Um, like how does that play in with your you know, ad server that you're using for your audio only product? But for, for us, with our clients, um, the more eyes on the content, the better in whatever form that content takes. So you know, if somebody finds it on YouTube or they find it on Apple Podcasts, either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then the other, uh, I think, thing that we can think about or that we, we are thinking about and need to think about more um, is TikTok. So, like, thinking about what shorter form content <laughs> looks like. Uh, and I don't think that means that we're, we're not replacing the, that, like, long form audio content that is so powerful for engagement with our listeners. You know, one of the, the biggest superpowers of podcasts is that you can get somebody to spend 30 minutes, an hour with your content, um, or binge for six hours if you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, obviously, TikTok is a very different format. Very different types of content do really well on TikTok, but you know how can we uh, create content for TikTok that is uh, leveraging the, the superpower of the discoverability on TikTok and the algorithm that can help people become aware of your of your podcast and your brand, and then hopefully direct them to your podcast when they have the time to sit down and listen to an hour-long podcast. Um, so that's another consideration that we are thinking about currently. Definitely, I think we ask ourselves like what's happening behind the scenes as far as motivation, especially for young and upcoming um, new creators, being able to grow their audience, repurpose, and increase accessibility. So Karen, you touched a little bit on that as far as um, you know, having rolling transcripts, adding in sort of lo-fi audiograms. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And accessibility is a huge thing. Um, I know for, uh, you know, just you, you can put up a text-based transcript on your on your website, you know, landing page for the podcast. Um, but being able to consume it sort of uh, as the show rolls out, get a sense of the timing and the pace, all of those things um, for people who, you know, may need uh, a, a, an extra in to the content. Uh, whether it's you know spoken word or just sort of understanding the rhythm of the sound with an audiogram, all of those things, it's it's a really big, uh, a, a really big tool for accessibility. Um, we work with the Mozilla Foundation to make a podcast with them called In Real Life, uh, and this. Uh, this season particularly was their internet health report was yeah. the, the basis of the show and as a value for that company like it's a really strong value for them to be able to have people speak in their own voice in their own language to be heard and about 75% of the people interviewed on the show are from outside North America or the EU so lots of different languages being heard, lots of languages being spoken, you're hearing people in their original voice. Uh, so sometimes, you know, it's, it's good to be able to sort of follow along, find accessibility uh, to that product in a different way. You're still allowing people to be heard in their own voice, uh, but also helping, you know, any audience in whatever language it is that they want to access uh, the podcast to also have those rolling transcripts. So it's, it is, you know, that kind of accessibility increases when, when you have multiple formats where you can have your, your content show up. But it is, it's an interesting thing about how do you make sure that 
as you're repurposing content with video that you're matching the platform that you're on, it's going to look and feel different uh, if you're putting a promo up on TikTok than it is if you are putting up an entire, say, 27-minute episode on YouTube. And so, you know, where do you put the resources into that? Um, and I think the other thing, you know, that, that will be the biggest consideration for us is we're sort of navigating what does long format documentary immersive storytelling feel like or look like when you, when you put video to it is how does that change the nature of the relationship with the audience? Because traditionally, we've always talked up, you know, this is, this is a medium that is companionship, on the go, it's portable, uh, it's sort of background listening a lot of the time when you're walking your dog or doing your dishes. How does that change if there has to be um, that sort of visual component that might tie you to a screen in a different way than a traditionally uh, audio first or audio only podcast? So what do we do that maybe is a combination of things that will be additive to the experience? Uh, so maybe, you know, if it's a Spotify-based um, program that you're using, it's like, at this moment we're talking about something that you might really get something from the visual. So just you know, flip up in your app and you'll get the video for a minute as you're out walking your dog and you can kind of see that picture and you move on. Um, it's a different thing altogether if it's a, you know, a desktop and you've got your YouTube up in one channel and doing something else uh, somewhere. You know, the, the, do you necessarily have to watch that entire show roll out? Probably not. So how do we then you know, maybe mix those sort of lightly animated audiograms with some video when it makes sense, when it's going to be really additive to the experience for the audience. But I think it, it does change the nature of the relationship between audience and the show when you go from being that solely, like, I'm out running and I'm turning off my brain for a minute and just being immersed in a great story while I do something else to actually maybe I need to pay attention in a more foreground kind of way and look at something. So that's something else that, that we're thinking about in terms of accessibility. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we were talking about this and when we're thinking about video, like, for me, I was thinking about um, the first season of Serial. Does everyone remember that? <laughs> um, and so when I was listening to Serial, uh, like, I was really interested in, in looking at the maps that they were referencing. And those maps were available on their website, and so I went to their website to find them, and I would, like, look at the maps and follow along with the story as I was listening to the podcast. But how powerful would it be if I could just, you know, it was right there, and it was synced with the, you know, the audio, and I could just switch over on my tab to my YouTube tab, and then there it is, and it's, like, right there, it's easy. Um, and I can follow along, and you can even do, you know, zooming in and zooming out and, like, following with the story as it goes. Like, that could be really, really powerful. That doesn't mean that you don't also put it up on your website. That doesn't mean that I need to watch the video while I'm listening. I could always go back and find it on their website later. Um, but it's just, it's just something to add extra value for the listener. And um, also on the point of accessibility, I was going to say that uh, Radiolab did a really cool experiment recently where they uh, translated an entire episode about uh, a deaf-blind writer who is interested in learning more about Helen Keller, and they translated it into ASL and put it up on YouTube. And I thought that was just an incredible really awesome experiment that they did, um, and I hope that they do more of that kind of content. But um, that obviously is, is a costly endeavor. Uh, but you know, just putting a transcript up or having closed captionings on a YouTube video, a YouTube version of your podcast, doesn't have to be crazy expensive, and it does so much for accessibility. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit, just as far as learning curve, if that's all right. So Sean, you kind of started to dig into this. so. As audio-only teams shift into incorporating video, there's, like, like you said, a lot of technical considerations. Um, 
you talk a little bit about the makeup of the audio team and just how how you're learning together and starting to think about when you start to apply video, what are some of the considerations you're making together as a team? That's a big question. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll start to scratch the surface. <laughs> yeah, well, it's we have amazing an amazing team of sound designers and they are so passionate about audio and they're so talented and, and efficient. And I was really stressed about how we were going to you know, mirror that with an amazing team of video editors. And um, I, in, in my past, I've known lots of audio engineers who've actually moved into video editing because it's somewhat, it, it's kind of a natural progression for people who want to get in, into that sort of thing. Um, but I still didn't, I couldn't fathom a way technologically to break it to my team to say, hey guys, you're gonna learn Final Cut now, or <laughs> you know, let's start training. Um, so, and I'm, my intention was not to shill for Descript, but uh, <laughs> frankly, the fact that uh, it, it is tools, new tools like Descript that make it uh, seem so much less daunting to me because we've moved our our producers into using uh, that tool, which keeps them hearing the audio while they're doing edits, as opposed to doing paper edits where sometimes they weren't necessarily referencing the audio. So that was the process for some, was they would get the transcript from an interview and do a paper edit and then pass it off to an audio editor to put together. And at that point, you're not, you're not referencing the sentiment and that kind of thing. So that was a huge change for us, moving uh, the production teams to, to Descript. Um, the fact that now the storyboard functionality that's coming out is, is, makes me feel really good. <laughs> because I feel like if the biggest challenge was I didn't want to get to a place where we would edit the audio, have it all edited, and then say, okay, now we have to go fetch the video from those moments. I was hoping that there would be a solution that would come along to make it all part of the same process without the steep learning curve of something like Avid or, or Final Cut or um, uh, Premiere. Thank you. Um, speaking of Premiere, I'm going to go off topic. Uh, Adobe, because you guys reminded me of this, the one thing I, I'm worried about losing from a creative standpoint um, when we think about videoizing our podcasts is uh, we do a show with Adobe called Wireframe with Koi, Koi Vin, and it's, a, it's about design, and it's about visual design. And that's been a really interesting challenge, to tell a story with audio about looking at things and making things look nicer. Um, so on one hand, I, I think, oh, well, that, it'll be much easier with a video component to talk about design, because then we can show people things. But on the other hand, uh, our showrunner, Dominic Gerard, has come up with some really ridiculously cool ways to talk about visuals uh, with audio. My favorite example was they, we did an episode about fonts, different fonts, typefaces. And we were trying to figure out how to effectively tell a story about typefaces using only audio. And in the end, he came up with this brilliant idea to uh, create an environment that was like a house party, and each guest at the house party was a different font. So, uh, and we, we cast it, and we had, you know, of course, the wackiest clown of the party who crashes it later on is, is Comic Sans. And it provided an amazing way to, with audio only, to really tell the story of what the characteristics of different fonts were. Uh, 
I don't want to lose that. Like I, sometimes the challenge of, of figuring out unique ways to talk about what you're seeing is, is you know, spawn some really amazing ideas. So I hope that that doesn't go away. Um, just a, you reminded me when you were talking about Adobe. Um, the most recent season of Wireframe is actually uh, coincides with the TikTok series that's happening. So basically, the premise is that um, they pair a small business owner with a um, designer, and then the designer helps them to up their game when it comes to their branding. Um, and so, you know, I think that's just uh, what I love about this conversation that we're having this week, especially about video podcasts, is I think it's pushing us to think more. Um, about multimedia strategies uh, overall, and I think that's really exciting. I think the idea that you can have somebody who watches a TikTok about, um, in this case, design, uh, and then if they're interested and like really want to go even further in depth with that, they go over to the podcast or vice versa, and just having everything kind of work together. And like the TikToks are very much you know short form, and they're meant to be on TikTok, and they're not just like a cut down clip of the of the podcast. They're TikTok first, and the podcast is very much podcast first, but they work together so beautifully. Um, so I'm really excited about like how this is kind of pushing us to think that way and the, the opportunities that are there to kind of reach people on whatever platform is their preference and wherever they are. I have one other thing to the question about the learning curve. I think there's also going to be a new uh, learning curve for all of us as both consumers but also people who like literally walk around with cameras in our pockets with, you know, and any phone, smartphone that you have now means that you can create video in a different way. Um, my experience previous to coming to Pacific Content was, you know, in, in uh, public broadcasting in Canada, running a newsroom and, and running radio shows. And the way we consume news changed as more and more people got smartphones. Like, you, you're, you're willing to watch a sort of shaky vertical video of something very dramatic because it's happening and uh, it's, you know, it's this uh, amazing thing that was captured by somebody who was right there in the moment. You wouldn't necessarily want to watch that for like an hour though, but, but it's our willingness to watch video of differing levels of quality has changed because we can get so much input, you can get it so much faster, you can get it sort of uh, unedited and, and raw. So that sort of changed our visual language. That's just like maybe one example of how that's happened. But when you look at who's doing sort of doing a lot of actual video in the podcasting space now. For example, if you look at Spotify to see what, you know, out of their top 25 shows, who's doing video, they seem to fall into a couple of sort of obvious buckets. So it's people who are already making video as their sort of primary product anyway. So it would be like traditional broadcasters, MSNBC or the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, you know, they'll pull a clip from the National or from Rachel Maddow and put that up and then also make an audio version of it and call it a podcast, but they've got the video first and so they're turning it into a podcast. Then you've got sort of the, what I call radio on TV version, which is, we all know the guy who does his podcast in a studio and then puts it on video as well. I don't need to say his name, um, you know, who I'm talking about. Uh, so, but that traditional sort of looks like sports radio except on, on, on TV kind of version. So that's one other form that you see a lot of uh, video podcasts of now. Um, and then there's kind of the, um, you know, like the, 
the two armchairs version, which is kind of a lighter version, I guess, of I'm in a studio anyway, and I'm just going to have a static RoboCam robo shoot, shoot the, the video. So, but it, it, the question is, like, if you're not already making video as your primary thing and you specialize in it, or you're not just doing a sort of interview show where we're, you know, got our comfy armchairs and I've got my good microphone and good headset on, but it doesn't really look like traditional TV. What's the middle point? Like, what's going to be the new visual language that meets us where we are, that we can all create video, we want it to be of a certain quality, um, but we want it also to be additive to the audio experience. And I'm not sure what that is. Uh, you know, there are examples of people doing some neat things with animation. There are examples of people obviously clipping shows out to promo them. But how will it be when you're when you're trying to sort of make a more sophisticated product? Will people's um, tolerance or acceptance of lower quality video be okay if the audio is still a high quality product? Or do, you know, do we really actually need to match the level of the quality of the audio with the video product as well? I think there will be a new visual language that will need to be created before we can figure out, you know, the the idea of a full podcast being a foreground experience for you that you're actually paying that much attention to. Um, and in, until then, you know, focusing on, for us, I think focusing on the audio is that experience that you can take with you. You're whispering people's ears. They're co-creating the whole experience with you because the theater of the mind is like painting those pictures of the font party, for example, in their head. But yeah, I think that's the exciting part for me is figuring out what is going to be the new visual language that kind of develops in this space to make it worthwhile for, for content creators who may not have MSNBC's video production capacities. Sorry, you just made me think of something. Are we making a video podcast right now? Like if this goes to YouTube... We're going to repurpose this later, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I've, I've got one more question for you and then maybe we can open it up to Q&A. Um, one thing that's been kind of top of mind is in working with your partners, do you think, will the need for to be camera ready inhibit people's willingness to appear on a podcast? Do you, how do you think that'll change how vulnerable they might be? Can can you speak to that experience that you've had so far? Uh, going back to my days in a newsroom, I can tell you that people loved being on radio. <laughs> they loved appearing live on their radio shows because it's like, you can do that in your pajamas. Nobody will know what you are wearing, whether you've got your makeup on, whether you brushed your hair. The minute you said, I'm going to send a camera to you to get the interview, that sort of level of, mm, I don't know, barrier kind of came up. So it will be a big question, not just the technical aspects of like, what's it going to look like if my host is in their closet or a blanket fort, um, but also, yeah, people with their real lived experiences, are they going to be willing to be as vulnerable um, if they're on camera or sort of having to worry about like what you look like at the same time as what you're saying? Um, on the flip side, though, we were speaking before about accessibility. Uh, there was uh, a podcast, and I have now, of course, completely forgotten the name of it, uh, but um, Spotify was, was working on a podcast during uh, the early days of the pandemic, which was all about mental health uh, and wellness for young people, and they had a video component to it, and the, the vulnerability and the accessibility of being able to see people's facial expressions, of being able to connect to them, to, to, to be able to sort of 
uh, understand you know, the nuances of what they're going through as they're retelling a story or talking about their experience. It's incredibly valuable for the audience, uh, and particularly people who might be struggling or might not have the most confidence in how they're relating to people. To be able to have that extra input was amazing, and it was very powerful. But yes, that, that is one question that I wonder about. I mean, we already have guests sign waivers to say, yes, I'm okay with you using my Twitter handle to promote the show or my picture, all those sorts of things. Does that become another level of bother for people if we need to ship them a ring light or make sure that they have a good webcam along with making sure that they have a good microphone? So it is, it is a question, and I think that'll be you know, part of the conversation going forward is um, you know, what kind of... I don't know, what kind of questions do we need to ask people about, um, hey, what does your background look like? Um, you know, would you be willing to uh, just move a few feet over to the right there so I can get that awesome bookshelf behind you instead of, I don't know, whatever else it is, that you, the bright light, you know, the backlit window that you've got behind you. There'll, there'll be other things that might be a barrier to entry to people just automatically saying yes to be on your podcast. So that is, that we'll definitely have to have those conversations. Definitely. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, go ahead and open it up to questions, and we'll wrap it up. Um, let's see here. How, how about here in the front row? Hi, my name is Liz Covart. Um, my podcast is called Ben Franklin's World. It's about early American history. And Karen, I really appreciated the intentionality with which you were asking questions, such as how does adding video change our relationship with our audience? And I wonder if you could speak a bit more about audience. As Annalise was talking about, we should pay attention to TikTok. Um, that to me seems like the short form content is for a different audience than is consuming my hour long podcast. And I don't really see some of the people that listen to the hour long podcast who is the primary audience for that podcast being interested in stopping to pull up video. So as you think about adding video, are you really thinking about adding audience or producing that component for a different audience than, you know, using your podcast avatar to think about your, your primary audio production? I, I think it's probably a combination of things. Like, you want to meet audiences where they are. Uh, so if there's a way to reach new audiences, obviously, promo is great, and like a short form can potentially, you know, pique somebody's interest or, or grab somebody that might not have found you in another way because of the discoverability and all of those things that we've been talking about. Um, but but I, I don't know that, uh, you know, the, with all of the ways that the platforms work that you're necessarily going to, like, say, oh, somebody watching my podcast on, um, on YouTube is necessarily going to become a core... Uh, audience member because they have to leave that environment to go potentially to follow me on you know Apple Podcasts or, or whatever. So I don't know that there's a um, necessarily going to be a, a direct relationship between people who consume your content in short form or on different platforms and the kind of traditional metrics that we always like to get around you know engagement levels and I, I can you know if I if I have those metrics then I can prove you know success or engagement levels or, or what kind of community that we're growing so I think that's another question that we'll have to figure out that we haven't sort of talked about is like how do we capture the audiences that are coming to us on all of these different platforms including video uh, and make sure that we're, we're able to um, include those people in our community of listeners uh, so yeah I don't I don't know if I'm answering your question perfectly because I, I don't know that we're necessarily, um, you know, converting somebody from a, a, a short format 
video that we might use with promo to, to being what we consider kind of our traditional audience that we're going for on an audio first platform. But I don't think it hurts. Like I don't think it hurts to be out there and to be where people are consuming audio and to potentially reach those new listeners. Your point though, uh, you know, about like who are we talking to and what's the relationship to the audience, you also want to make sure that you're not hurting your relationship with your core audience that might come to you as an audio first uh, listener. You don't want to you don't want to hurt it because of the quality, but you also don't want to assume that, hey, there's a video aspect to this, everybody's gonna see that, so now I don't need to explain it, or now I don't need to work it into the audio version of the of the of the podcast. So there's lots going on there for sure. Hi, uh, we help companies do business, uh, branded business podcasts, and we've kind of taken a simple approach where we just do one recording on Riverside. You know, it's two people visually just across from each other, and then we do a video version and then, a, then an audio version. And I, I guess the question is, um, I'm, I'm guessing that there's limitations there in terms of what you could do creatively, um, but the biggest thing we struggle with is, is when we're given a large file, let's say somebody's done this for 60 minutes, and they want to cut this down to you know 25 to 35 minutes, and they're asking us to you know assist in the cuts. So the question becomes: In what order do you do these? Can you do it off the same file? You know, and, and what's what are you know kind of the tips to get around that, or or pitfalls that that we have to be careful about? I think the challenge is is figuring out how to cover your cuts, obviously, um, so you don't have just a twitchy video of constant jump cuts everywhere. Um, but I do feel like the solution has to be doing, cutting both the audio and video at the, uh, together at, at the beginning, because it'll be disastrous to do it otherwise. And if you're using something like Riverside, then making sure that you've got uh, both of the video files as separate files so that when you do make those cuts, you can, you can do things like go to the reaction shot from the person who's listening to, to hide the edit that you made on the person who's talking and hopefully find ways to s throw in some visual, you're a video producer now. That's just what you gotta accept, I think. You know, throw in static images to cover other things, the panning shot to open it all. There's, it's not gonna be easy. But, uh, you know, I think the tools are really evolving and, and it's going to be a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Sort of following up on the question we had earlier regarding short form versus YouTube. The, the show that I'm running has been running for six and a half years, 260 plus episodes. Uh, we've been, you know, at it for a while and have a pretty dedicated audience. We've always joked about having faces for radio, which is why we've not done video. Uh, and, and now, you know, I, I'm interested in transitioning and, and adding that as, as a feature, but am I going to be adding a value to our existing listeners? And, and secondarily, adding, am I going to be adding value to us? Because we are going to lose that monetization because of, you know, DAI. We're not going to be able to use that technology when it comes to YouTube. And until we have enough people on that platform to monetize directly through YouTube, we're going to be losing revenue. Is that worth it, or do I focus solely on something like a TikTok that's a short format that's hopefully gonna drive people primarily to that long format? And when I say long format, our shows average 90 to 100 minutes, and some of them are up to two hours. So it's not, <laughs> I'm not exactly keen on trying to figure out how to make a two hour video with animations and title slides and captions and all of that stuff. 
what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that, sort of following up on that same idea of short form, long form? I think you answered your own question. Um, <laughs> like it sounds to me like you probably need to be doing more promotional content on um, YouTube and TikTok. Uh, because as you say, like you don't want to lose out on that monetization. Um, I think that's a huge factor that you have to consider, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I also personally, um, I hate an audiogram. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anyone who actually, as a consumer, likes them or listens to them. Um, so I would encourage us like all to be thinking about what, what is promotional content on TikTok and on YouTube, TikTok especially. Um, I, I don't think that that is a cut down clip from the episode, it could be, but uh, my guess is probably not. Uh, maybe it's a selfie style video of you talking about what's in the episode that week and what you talk about. Um, I think that can be really additive uh, and, and a really great way to push people to the podcast. But yeah, I think it's definitely about putting yourself in the shoes of the person who's scrolling through TikTok and comes across that video. You know, what's going to capture their attention on TikTok? And you know, you want to give them just a tidbit, and then hopefully they're going to go to the podcast because they want to hear the full story. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a huge consideration, the monetization aspect. Hi, so I'm a video first kind of guy. So I'm looking at this so weird. It's, it's a platform. So I, I record in a studio. It doesn't have to be. It's been in a conference room from Switcher Studio Pro, where you use iPhones and an iPad to switch back and forth, to we just record using Blackmagic cameras or whatever, because I'm a video guy, right? So I, can, I got the tools. But I understand the long form audio podcast, because I also have a podcast. But uh, my thoughts under ideas were like, record like you're normally doing, but just record at, at least two other cameras, could be phones. I sync it in post, I use Premiere, and I do multicam editing in Premiere. So you got your full version audio intact, but you can use YouTube to the highlights. Say the, an hour show can be condensed to 15 minutes, and these are the highlights, listen to the full version, over here in the description. So there's definitely, it's the wild, wild west. And um, so from a video producer standpoint, um, we're, we're going, how can we contribute to this without busting the bank? Because nobody's got the budget, at least when they're growing. If you do have a monetization and you can allocate the funds for paying somebody. Uh, my son has two podcasts that he does that he, they pay $2,500 a month and they record two shows uh, a, a day, and they and they just do it every two weeks. They record two shows. They take the audio goes over here, the video goes over here. So there's definitely a lot you can do, um, but covering shots and covering jump cuts are all things. I'm like, ah. so now you got stock images that you could put, potentially put in. You can put full screen graphics that bullet what you're saying, but it creates time, which is my real question. Cost to repurpose to all platforms. Equal, it's, it's time. Somebody, some editor like me is going to go. All right, let me create the vertical version, the square version, and how? And is it? Does it offset the revenue? Does the cost offset the revenue? Thank you. So uh, I'm going to indirectly answer your question. <laughs> um, I think I, I'm not a big fan of repurposing content across multiple platforms because I don't think that that works. I think that you always, like in our case, the audio is always going to come first, and it does, and it should. Like, we're a podcast production company. Um, but 
So like, like I said, I'm not a big fan of audiograms. I'm not a big fan of cutting down just a clip and throwing that on TikTok because it's not gonna resonate with that TikTok audience. But it doesn't have to be a huge investment to create an entirely new content, you know? Like, like I said, like a selfie style video where you talk about what you talked about in that episode can be really powerful and I mean, I got the idea because I, there's a TikToker, one of my guilty pleasures is celebrity gossip, and there's a TikToker that I love who like does TikTok series about celebrity gossip, and she, she started a, a podcast. Her videos on TikTok are the same, but now she'll do videos that are about the same thing that she's talking about in her podcast episodes. So she'll do her video the same way that it was before, that I liked, that I was always consuming. And then at the end, she says, if you're interested in hearing more about this, go check out my podcast. And that's it. And it's just a small plug, but it worked on me. <laughs> like, I want to go listen to that podcast about Mary-Kate and Ashley, you know? Like, <laughs> so it's not a huge time suck. It's just a, a selfie-style video that she does on her iPhone. She uses the green screen effect and throws up some stock images. Um, but I think it can be really powerful and really effective. Also, the, the fact that people now are accustomed to and comfortable with lower quality video, especially in short form on TikTok, like, it, you don't have to have the, the fancy cameras. It can just be something shot on your iPhone. I'm gonna jump in because we are now two minutes over. Um, but I think my friends are gonna be sticking around a little bit longer. So if any of you have any questions, feel free to come up while we get set up for the next session. And thank you so much for joining. Thank you.